the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well, all right, all right. It's going to get better. Look at your neighbor say, it's going to get better. Right now, it's going to get better. Because we're going to get into God's Word. It always gets better when you get into God's Word. God's Word, He he said, I am the bread of life. And when you open this Word, you are partaking of the bread of life. You are feeding your spirit. And things always get better when you feed your spirit the Word of God. God is good. Look at your neighbor say, God is good. Remind yourselves. And turn to Colossians chapter 3. We're in a series Entitled Colossians, last two series, last two weeks, we covered chapters one and two. We're going to start in three tonight. Colossians chapter three, verse one. This is getting gooder and gooder. After reading chapter one, we see that God is supreme, that Jesus is supreme. In chapter two, that we see that He is enough. For us, tonight, we're going to continue. It says, since you have been raised to a new life with Christ. Hallelujah. A new life. Resurrected to a new life with Christ. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. Where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven. Not the things of this earth. For you died to this life. And your real life. Well. It's hidden with Christ in God. That's where your real life is. And when Christ. Who is your life. Is revealed to the whole world. You will share in all of his glory. Man that says a mouthful right there. These are the kind of things we got to focus on. So I'm entitling part three, focus. He's supreme. He's enough. Our job, focus. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. There was this cat named Mephibosheth. Not a cat, but a guy. I know that's a tough name. I don't know what they called him for short, but they had to call him something besides Mephibosheth. That's hard to say. Say that three times real fast. Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth. Okay, so his name's Mephibosheth, and if it isn't bad enough, he lives in a town called Lodibar. <laughs> Mephibosheth from Lodibar. It's a little nowhere town out in the middle of nowhere. And poor Mephibosheth is crippled. You see, when Mephibosheth was a little baby boy, his dad, Jonathan, and his granddad, King Saul, so he was in a line of royalty. They went off to battle, and they both died. 
And the person who was taking care of Mephibosheth heard the news and tried to flee. And he took off running without holding on to the baby good. And the baby fell and I guess broke both his ankles or something. I don't know and probably didn't have time. They didn't have doctors and pins they could put in his ankles or something. So he grew up with neither feet working. And he's crippled. They named the poor kid Mephibosheth. And he lives in Lodibar. Crippled. He's living at some guy's house in Lodibar. No future. No hope. Can't walk. He's at the mercy of everything going on around him. And then one day. Come in. And it's one of King David's servants. King David became king after Saul's death, right? And Mephibosheth says, oh, no. He's here to kill everybody from the previous king's lineage. That's why they did that a lot back in those days. Uh, he's thinking, oh, my goodness, this is it. And I can't even run. <laughs> they got Mephibosheth, and they brought him to the palace. He's thinking, whether they're going to kill me in public or something, they got to make a big deal out of it. But come to find out, he came before the king, and he he bowed low. He's probably already on his knees. He bowed before the king, and he says, I am your servant. Probably just saying, please spare me. I'm your servant. And King David says, so you're Mephibosheth. You're Jonathan's boy, my old best friend. I had promised your dad that I would take care of his family. Mephibosheth, I'm going to give you a servant named Ziba over here. He's going to take care of you. You're going to have all of the possessions of your father, Jonathan. All the things that he had before, when he was his king's son before he died, I'm going to give to you. And guess what? I want you to eat at my table, Mephibosheth. I want you to eat the royal food. I want you to pretty much be like one of my own sons. I want you to eat at my table. Isn't that like what it's like, Joe? You know what I mean. We were nothing but dirty, low down. That's what he told King David. He said, but I'm just a dirty dog. That's the way he saw himself. And that's what we really were. We were low down from Lodibar, crippled, couldn't get anything done, uh, no life to look forward to, dirty dogs. And God, Jesus, welcomed us to his table. He said, come and eat at my table. Your glass will overflow. I'll, I'll present a table before you in the presence of your enemies that you can eat the king's table. You can be one of my sons. And we wasn't expecting it, was we? We thought this was all there was to life. Looking out at the dusty streets of Lodibar. Thank you, Lord. That's what we are to say. In verse 1, we just read, it says, since you have been raised to a new life. And that's what we're going to talk about. Since we were like Mephibosheth, but now we're like the new Mephibosheth at the king's table. We're living the good life now. Since we've been raised to a, a new life with Christ, we've been resurrected with Jesus, made to eat at his table. And let me say this. The only real life is with Christ. You see what it says there? Since you've been raised to a new life with Christ. It was Him who raised you and is only in Him 
that you have this new life. 1 John 5.12 says, Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever has not the Son has not life. Simple, isn't it? You either have life or you don't. What's the deciding factor? Y'all help me. Do you have Jesus? Why is that? Because Jesus is the one who settled our debt. He's the one made a way where there was no way. He's the one that poured out His blood for our salvation. It's only because of His generosity that we've been raised to a new life and seated at the table of the King. We're suddenly royalty. Sons and daughters of the Most High God. Oh, I, I look out and I don't see you celebrating. It's like you don't get it. It's like you don't believe it. Oh, oh, you just heard it so often that it's just become a cliche that you're a son or a daughter of God. It's hard to imagine on this side, isn't it? Because you still got to get up and go to work most mornings. You don't feel like royalty yet, do you? You still face troubles and tribulations and sorrows and pains and aches and you're still living in this old body. Sometimes it don't seem like you're sitting at the table at all. It still seems like you're in Lodi Bar. It says in the second half of that, verse 1, to set your sights on the realities of heaven. Where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. What do you do when you don't feel like a son and daughter of the king. What do you do when you're worn out and just barely dragged into church tonight and you can't even muster up a hallelujah during the song? What do you do when you can't clap and you just like somebody's trying to get you to shout for Jesus and it's like, I ain't doing it. I ain't got it tonight and I just ain't doing it. I don't feel like it. I ain't doing it. Just let me sit here. I don't even know why y'all trying to But you got to set your eyes on the realities of heaven, my friends. Jesus is trying to get your eyes off of your situation. Set your eyes on the realities of heaven, and it says it's a reality. And like Tom said, the Bible can't lie. God is not a man that he should lie. If he says the realities of heaven, then heaven is real. It's a real place. It's not a metaphor. It's not, you know, it's it's not this state that you'll be in when you die no it's a it's a kingdom it's a place it's real and we should focus on it there's nothing wrong with focusing on heaven some people say you're so heavenly minded you're no earthly good you ever heard that well i say you can be too earthly minded and be no heavenly good Let me ask you, if you paid for a cruise or somebody bought you a cruise, it was two months from now, you knew that your fare was already paid, you was going to be out on the beach, you was going to be eating on that boat, all you can eat shrimp and seafood, you was going to be in the pool and there was going to be entertainment, and you wasn't going to have to pay for any of it now that the ticket's been paid for. You're just going to be living it up for a whole solid week. You ain't going to be working. You're going to be away from all your 
situations at home. Now you tell me you're not going to be thinking about that in them two months leading up to it. Some of you are going to be picking out shorts and and packing three weeks early. <laughs> you must have done that. You're going to be so excited you left your luggage behind. Tell me you're not going to be thinking about that cruise. And you're going to be thinking about that cruise. It's going to make you happy. You're going to be working harder than you used to. You're going to be trying to get all your fares in order. That's the same way. Jesus has paid for our cruise. We got a date with heaven. We need to be thinking about it. It needs to be stirring up joy. There's a day of rest coming. We're going to eat at the table. We're going to soar. We're going to sail on the seas of heaven. That's awesome. Man, it'll make you feel better. Yeah, this light affliction is, it ain't light, it's heavy. But it's just for a moment. But it works for us a far greater weight of glory in the life to come. We need to keep our eyes on heaven. This ain't all there is to it. If we get so loaded down keeping our eyes on the ground, that we'll run ourselves into the ground. You're going to go where you're focused on. It's what we're talking about. Focus. Focus on the realities of heaven, my friend. It's a reality. Remind yourselves that you've been bought and paid for. The ticket has already been punched. And the best part of that cruise is Jesus is going to be there. You say, well, I... He's more than just a high power, my friend. He is the, the most high power. He's the most high God. He's higher than a higher power. And we will experience for the first time in our lives the fullness of being complete as we see Him face to face and we become like Him. And we walk into his presence, and we realize the fullness of Christ in me, the hope of glory. We, we are immersed in the glory of God. It has not entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for them who love Him. Jesus is going to be there in all of His glory and splendor. Some people say, well, that's just pie in the sky dreaming. No, no. Yeah, when we get there to the sweet by and by, that'll be the day. Some people put it so far off. I hope it is far off, or I hope you live a good long life. But I want you to know positionally, you're already in heaven. What you talking about, Willis? What you talking about, positionally? It's already done in God's eyes. You're already seated with Christ in heavenly places. What do you mean? How can I already? I'm sitting on this purple chair. Well, God is outside of time, space, and dimension. He sees everything all at the same time. And he chooses to see you through the blood of Jesus. And he knows where you're going. And he knows you're going to be there. And if it's a promise, if he has promised you heaven, then you, you're as good as in heaven right now. Positionally. 
You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's a word that a lot of Christians don't understand. They, they just see the here and now. They see the natural. But in the spirit, Christ is in you. And you're in Christ and Christ is in heaven. We don't understand things outside of time, space, and dimension. But I can guarantee you, if we would begin to believe it, when the Bible says we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above all principalities, rulers, and powers of this dark world, then we would, be, we would begin to understand our position is above the devil. And if we're part of his body and he's seated next to the right hand of God, then all things are under our feet. If we would begin to see ourselves the way God sees us, we would begin to focus on the things that God tells us to focus on. We wouldn't be beat down. We wouldn't be wore out. We'd be beat the devil down and wearing him out. Focus. Ephesians 2.6 says, For he has raised us up from the dead, along with Christ, and seated us with him in heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as an example of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all that he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. He's all, through all eternity, he's going to point and he's going to point at Joe. He's going to point at Candace. He's going to point at Tyler. He's going to point at Chris. He's going to point and say, you remember where you was before I got hold of you? Now look at you eating at the king's table. And you're going to be an example of his grace. You are jewels of God's grace. He's not going to let you fall. He's got too much invested in you. But he needs you to work with him. He needs you to see what he needs you to see. He said, Abraham, come out inside of your tent. What do you see? Can you count the stars? So shall your descendants be. He says, look to the east, north, west, and south. Tell me what you see. As far as you can see, you can have. And when you look at this word of God and you see that you're seated with Christ in heavenly places, you need to believe it. You don't need to let the devil come in and steal your joy. And tell you that he's above you. That he's got you under his foot. He's a liar. We should view life from a heavenly perspective now. You know when you're just walking around with your head down, you can't see much. But when you're high above the clouds, you can look down and you can say, Oh, I can see the setup coming over here. I can see why this is going wrong over here. You see things from God's perspective. And that changes everything. You, you say, okay, well, we're going to have to go through this rough spot, but I know there's relief on the other side. Whereas if you just got your head down, you're saying, I'm going through this rough spot, I ain't never going to make it. And you lose your joy. And you lose your strength. And you lose your will to fight through the darkness. But Jesus promises that we will walk through this valley of the shadow of death. We're not stopping. We're not camping here. This is just a temporary assignment. So Colossians 3.2. We got through the first verse. Y'all ready for the second verse? I'm telling you the word of God is so rich and so full. We could still be on the first verse of 1 Colossians 1. 
Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. For you died to this life, and your real life. Did you know you have a real life? And some of us ain't walking in it. We ain't living in it. We don't even realize that we have a real life. We're still living in this make-believe fake life. Your real life is hidden with Christ in God. That's where it's hidden. You won't find it until you find Jesus. You'll never find your real life apart from Jesus. You know, I used to clean labs at, at FedEx when I worked there. Anybody know what a lab is? Short for lavatory. It's fancy words, so you don't have to tell everybody you clean toilets, you know. But when you're working at FedEx and you're cleaning the airplane toilets, you, got, you drive this little tug thing and you got a cart behind you and you pull up underneath these big DC-10s and the nose is about as tall as that roof, you know. And I get out and I climb up on top of the trailer and this trailer is just a big old tank. All right, so it's 95 degrees out there, all right, but I got a big old stiff yellow jumpsuit that's turned blue for some reason, which you'll probably figure out here in a minute because they put blue stuff in the toilet, right? All right, so... You punch these buttons hoping that the person who shut the lab last time put the lid on it tight. And you open it up, and then some little water drips down. And if the wind's blowing, it may blow in your face. All right. And you hope, and when you take that first cap off, you're hoping that the person that, that did it last time put that donut up in there good. That donut is what you call uh, like a, a gasket that you put up in there to keep it from coming out. And so you take that lid off, and you're still good, it's still dripping a little bit, and you got this long hose that goes down into your tank, and you click it on there, and on the end of that hose, you got this unstopper thing. You reach up in there, and you grab that donut, and you can feel it, and you click in on it, and then you pull it out, and then, then that hose suddenly fills up. And it just... And you step back, but you can't go all the way back because you're on the top of this cart. And there's been many times I almost had to jump off the cart. Because just, I don't care how good that seal is, blue water's flying. By the end of the day, it ain't rained a lick, but you're soaking wet. I used to work the laugh cart. I don't really want to go back to the laugh cart. I didn't do it, I did it a couple years I didn't do it every day. We got to where we rotated the duty. But I don't want to go back to the lav cart. We all just used to be floating around trying to find ourselves. What am I supposed to do, God? FedEx is paying $11 an hour. <laughs> Wait a minute. This other job's paying $14 an hour. And we're all just trying to find ourselves, find our little niche. And we didn't realize that our real life is hidden with God in Christ Jesus. Or hidden with Christ Jesus in God. However you want to look at it. And our real life is only found in Christ Jesus. Now that I'm up here pastoring, that I feel like I've found my real life. I'm not going back 
to the lav cart? Would I be a fool if I went back to the lav cart now? Especially once you find your real life involves helping other people find their real life. You're talking about super fulfillment. Finding your real life. And your real life involves helping other people find their real lives. That's God's plan. It's a good one. Don't go back to the laugh cart. Whatever your laugh cart used to be. Verse 4 says, And when Christ, who is your life, I mean, the Bible doesn't hold any punches. It doesn't say Christ who helps your life or Christ who knows about your life or Christ who started your life. Who, who is your life? It pulls no punches about who Jesus is. He is supreme. He is enough. And when Christ who is your life is revealed to the world, you will share in all of His glory. Can you imagine how glorious Jesus is? And He wants to share it with you. His glory is just the, the, the radiance of His beauty, of His goodness, of His kindness, of His power. Everything that's good about Him just radiates. And He wants you flooded with that same glory. When Christ who is your life is revealed to the world, you will share in all of His glory. Jesus is not just where we find our life. He is our life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the... And we thought He was just using metaphors again. But see, it was by the word of His power that He created everything. Colossians 1 told us that, right? It was... We were created for Him, by Him, and through Him, and in Him we live and move and have our being. It's all about Him. He is life. And you say, well, I, I don't care nothing about Jesus. I'm alive. No, buddy, you're just, you just walking around on a borrowed charge. Your battery will run, run low here one day soon, and then where are you going to live? What kind of life are you going to have then? We all just got a little bit of charge down here. We just got a down payment down here. But for those who have put their uh, trust in Christ, we will never die. We just keep on living. We just, we just raise up to a new level. We just got a promotion. We just step on into glory. To the degree that you share His life down here. Jesus' life is the, to the degree that you will share His glory in the realities of heaven. I don't know if you want to get up to heaven and barely be shining like a, like a 20 watt light bulb or something. Like a little dashboard light or something. I got saved. But no, I want to be like, you know. Yeah. Just I mean, I want to sound like them lights. You know, just buzzing with the glory of God. 2 Corinthians 3.16 says, But whenever someone turns to the Lord, 
the veil is taken away. You remember Moses came down the mountain and he had been with God and his face was shining so bright that they had to put a veil on him because they couldn't look at the glory of God. It was burning their retinas. But it says, whenever, whenever we turn to Christ, that veil is taken away. And the veil, my friends, is our flesh. See, it's our flesh. See, we're nothing but flesh. We don't, our spirit's dead to God until we receive Christ. When we turn to Christ, His Spirit comes into us and our, it's our flesh that's still uh, veiling the glory of God. But when we put down our flesh and we walk in the Spirit, He removes the veil and we begin to shine. You say, I don't see no Christians shining. Oh, I do. Man, I can look in you guys' eyes and I, I, I guarantee you if, you, if you walk 10 people up to me at the mall somewhere, I could tell you which ones are Christian and which ones ain't by the gleam in their eyes. You can tell. You just can't tell all the way. But I bet you those angels in heaven who see into the spirit realm, they probably look at Brother John and say, Whoo, Brother John, you've been with Jesus. You are radiating in the spirit world. You're growing brighter and brighter the closer you get with Christ. You've taken that veil away. You put that flesh under. It's like having a mirror re reflecting the sun's light. If, there's, if that mirror is clean, man, that thing, is, that thing will burn an anthill to pieces. <laughs> but, but if you put some mud on there, you've been fooling around in sin and all this, it's not going to reflect. We're not, we're not revealing the glory of God like we were called to. That's why we've got to live our lives clean before God. Reveal His glory. Whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit is, there is freedom. Freedom from all those things that mess your mirror up. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God who is the Spirit and makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. See, we're not just being changed into the, to the image that He had down here on earth, but we're changed into His glorious image. And we may can't, like I said, we can't see it all the time with our natural eyes. But it, we got to believe in the realities of heaven. We got to believe in the realities of the spiritual world. That you're being changed to the glorious image of God. And when you walk in the room, the devil's like, whoa, the light's coming and I'm leaving out of here. I, can't, I don't want none of that light. He's trying to hide off in the darkness. And we, when we acting just like him, we like a little... The bulb is just barely coming on. The devil ain't afraid of that. We need to let the light shine. I'm telling you. We don't see ourselves as glorious. But we can all share in God's glory the more we become like Him. Colossians 3.5 Because of that, it says, Put to death, therefore... Whatever belongs to your earthly nature. That old Mephibosheth you used to be. 
whatever belongs to the old lav cart riding self of yours, put it to death. Sexual immorality. Adultery. Don't be cheating on your spouse. Fornication. Don't be having sex outside of marriage. Homosexuality. It's an abomination to God. First of all, because they can't get married, so it's automatically fornication. They can't get married in God's sight. They can get married, but they can't get married in God's sight. We love them. It's just a sin, just like anything else. But it's wrong. It's still a sin. So get rid of sexual immorality, pornography, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life that you once lived. The old you hung out in the loady bars. Some of you, the old you hung out in the nudie bars. But that's the old you. Don't go back to the laugh cart, my friend. Shine for Jesus. You ever... Go on swimming at Arca Butler. <laughs> Don't wear anything white. That includes your BVDs. When you get home, you will see why. They will be brown. I mean, stone cold brown. The water is so muddy. But I ain't never seen nothing like McKellar Lake. Y'all know where McKellar Lake is up here by President's Island? When I was first dating Angie, me and my friend Hal would go with my friend Joe who had one of those souped up uh, racing boats that had like a car engine in the back of it with pipes and stuff. And, and the boat itself wasn't this long, Harley. You know, it, was, it would fly. And we, we got to where we were skiing. And I don't know why we went from Whitehaven all the way up north to, to or out to the river to go Skiing, we could have went to Archibaldor, we could have went to Lakeview, we could have went anywhere. But we go up to this lake called McKellar. Now, McKellar is just like this little oxbow that comes off the river. And, you know, President's Island is all these chemical companies and all these uh, manufacturing facilities, and they're all lined up along this river. This this little oxbow lake called McKellar Lake. And if you've ever been there, I remember looking across there, and it was just like a sheen. It looked like it had been a recent oil spill. And you'd see dead fish floating. And 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 it would be a smell and you couldn't identify it. I mean, what is that? It smelled like chlorine sometimes. Other times it smelled like something else. We don't know what it was. And we would be out there skiing. And one time I invited Angie to go when we was first dating. And she had never skied before. And she agreed to go and went out there. And it's all it's nasty looking lake anyway. It's got barges and stuff all parked along the side of it and stuff. And and uh, I had to talk her into getting in the water. She got in the water. She had never skied before. And he'd hit that boat. Roll, we'd get up on top of the water. And she'd go, poof, face plant. And she was just drinking that stuff. <laughs> now I'm talking about at Arca Butler, your BBDs, BBDs turn brown. This water 
It was like, what's that stuff that, that eats through clothes? <laughs> Chlora, chlorine or what? Clorox. Yeah, you, you go there, your clothes ain't no good no more. <laughs> and 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 I remember, I just remember looking back and Angie's, she had fell down the last time and she's by this barge and she's, get me out of here, there's going to be snakes. This thing was just creepy. And so we went and got her and she refused to get in the water anymore. But my question was, why would you ever go there? When there's other places that you can go to, like... Pickwick or somewhere where you can look 20 feet down and see the bottom. You know, you almost want to drink that Pickwick water. But we want to hang out at McKellar Lake. Verse 8 says, but now you must also rid yourself of that old McKellar Lake kind of life. It wasn't good for you. You know, that's why my kids are deformed today. You know, Josh has got an ear growing out the back of his head and Kaylee's got seven toes on her right foot. I mean, Angie drank too much of that one. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but really, you must rid yourself of all of these such things as these like we just discussed. That's just filthy McKellar kind of living. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. That sounded like a Friday night for me back in them days. <laughs> and do not lie to each other since you have taken off the old self with its practices. And you've put on this new self which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of your Creator. That's how He made us in the first place. In His image. But we spoiled that. But now He's given us a second shot. And here there's no Jew or Gentile or circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all who allow Him to be, right? We were like those who had no hope in the world before Christ. We didn't know what we were doing. We were trying to find our lives, but we were face planting in McKellar Lake, basically. We had nasty thoughts. We had selfish ways. We had critical judgment about everybody else. We had foolish pride. We had addictive behaviors. Destructive opinions about everything. Deceptive hearts. Through and through we were nasty. But Jesus slipped a new robe on our shoulders. He pulled a chair up. To his table and said, I got this for you. This is where I want you to sit at my table. He, assigned, he, has, he signed our adoption papers in his own blood and adopted us into his family, gave us his name, gave us his word, gave us his spirit, gave us all the promises of God. And welcome us with open arms. He says, come, live this new life. Come where the crystal clear water flows from the throne of God. That's where you can go skiing. Come live a pure life. Not a defiled, nasty life. 
I have personally resigned to never go back to the lav court, never go back to McKellar Lake. I'm looking forward to the heavenly cruise that Jesus has called us to, and I'm certainly not going back to my crippled life in Lodibar. I have a responsibility in this life to keep my eyes on Jesus, to focus, and to let my light shine. Started to play that song, probably should have. This big light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. That's, that's our responsibility. To sit at the table and to act like sons and daughters of the King. Like we got good sense. And that's really all I got for you tonight. We could move on, but we're, we're just going to stop there. Can you, does it, I, I was hoping it would paint a picture of how silly it is for us to go back into the bondage of sin when we've been set free. When we've been treated like royalty, when Jesus did all of this for us, for us to get back up on that lav cart and dive right back into McKellar Lake. It just don't make sense. To know that we were dirty dogs. And he welcomed us at his table. I don't know about you, but I want to keep my focus so I never let him down. I never let my mirror get dirty, that I could I understand that I have an obligation to help other people find their lives that is hidden with Christ, that, that I want to let His glory shine, and that every time I sin, I'm, I'm mur murkying up the waters. And, there, and that I'm a living representative of Christ here on this earth, and I want to live in such a way that I so let His light shine. It says, so let your light shine. That people see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father. And that's the way we should live. Don't go back. Don't even think about going back. Don't write about going back. Don't discuss going back. Don't make it an option of going back. Don't go back for a minute. Don't go back for an hour. Don't plan a vacation back there. Don't go back with a friend. Don't suggest your friend goes back. Keep moving forward into your life with God with a laser-like focus. And let your light shine. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.